secure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. You are now listening to the NerdWords Podcast, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. Press 1 for customer service. Press 2 for podcasts. Press 3 to check on an order. Press 4. Welcome to another episode of the NerdWords Podcast. I'm Nathan. Today I'm joined by Rachel. Smash the like button, Rachel. Smash. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I stand in, in open protest of of that YouTube broadcasting mentality. Like that, that voice that all, but I don't think that it's intentional. I think that it's just like probably in the inception of YouTube back in like, I don't know, 2005, 2006, whenever people started posting on there more, there was just like probably a couple people that that was their normal voice or, or, you know, that was like what they were doing to kind of get themselves hyped up to, to, Mm -hmm. to do whatever. And then like, it just, caught on and now everybody kind of has that youtube voice i bet you that if you started a youtube channel tomorrow mm-hmm. that you would start talking like that and that's sort of like how vague, dare you vague presenter voice how dare you assume that i would start talking like that to get right to the point and make everyone listen to my video and attract their attention immediately <laughs> i would not i don't know i would not do okay that. okay also okay i would do it with zero energy i'd say welcome to my youtube channel my name's, my name's nathan and you're stupid for listening you don't even like it's so dumb that you're even oh, watching this. God. Like, don't you have anything better to do with your life? You just sit here and you watch YouTube videos all day? What are you, some kind of loser? Yeah. Ugh. I do that, though. Like, I was really bad about that when I was in school. And mm-hmm. I'd, like, be studying and I'd have, okay, I've got, you know, a bunch of exams coming up. I've got eight hours. I've got to study this weekend, you know. Okay, you know, study for half hour, watch YouTube videos for half hour. That was probably, like, grad school was, like, the peak of my YouTube right. watching. Like most of the things that I watch on YouTube are like quote unquote podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of like listening to podcasts in a podcast format. Mm-hmm. So it makes very little sense that this isn't on YouTube mm-hmm. because, well, you understand the hypocrisy. I do understand the hypocrisy. Well, you get you get yourself a nice backdrop and you get, you know, a couple mics, a little bit nicer room. And then I just work on, my, I work on my YouTube voice. Yeah. No, no, I, well, I, but it is kind of cool because I've, you know, I've seen the Joe Rogan podcast once or twice on YouTube, mm-hmm. just bits and pieces here and there, um, mostly when I've been hanging out with you. And like, yeah, it is nice because it's like so natural. Like right. they're just sitting there talking and they forgot that the cameras are there. And so, I don't know. It's, I could see the appeal of like watching it. Um, but I mean, I do a lot of driving. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the thing too. Like when I, when I quote unquote watch podcasts, I don't, I'm not even really watching them. Usually they're just playing while mm-hmm. I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like hearing the talking. Most of the time I'm only like half invested in what's being talked about. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the problem. Oh, that's like how I am with watching TV. That's why it's really a challenge for me to start a new show. Cause I yeah. know like. There's tons of new shows on Netflix and Amazon and everything right now that I really want to watch, but I'm like, you know, time is a commodity, but I really like having some sound on in the background. So like I kind of go through a continuous cycle of Star Trek The Next Generation, (laughs) Parks and Recreation, uh, The Office, and Frasier. And those kind of go are on a loop of like stuff that I'll watch and it'll be on in the background while I'm cleaning or like whatever, living life, doing adult shit. I've never watched Frasier. Well, I hadn't either until re- like I have like two of my best girlfriends love Frasier and um, like they're, you know, they'll talk and have inside jokes about it. And I'm like, OK, if this show's that good, then I need to watch it. And I like watch the first five seasons. It's really funny. I mean, like I'd say like 90 sitcom comedy writing, like it's definitely really, really good. Um, so I would say, you know, check it out if you have time. Um, I'm very busy watching uh, piecemeal episodes of Friends while I work out. Because <laughs> that's what's on at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, for whatever reason, the time that I go uh, to the gym to get on the treadmill, yeah. they all have little TVs. Mm-hmm. And all of them are tuned to whatever station Friends has played on late at night. Mm-hmm. And so I've never watched Friends before. Right. But I have now watched like a dozen episodes of Friends. Right. I couldn't tell you 
I, I know nothing about the show. Uh-huh. I've just watched them do things and read subtitles as I'm sweating yeah. in like a, a mental haze. So it's no funny because you're probably watching Friends and then Slayer is what's playing in your headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's absolutely what's going on. That's that's the creepiest, weirdest thing. And that's actually a really good idea. It's too bad that um, I, I like couldn't make money off of that. But it would be awesome to take like Friends mm-hmm. And dub Slayer over it so that people know what I'm experiencing when I work out. Yeah, no, I I, I think that that would be valuable for you to share your experience yeah, in yeah. that. So I remember when Friends came on. I think I was like junior high, maybe late elementary school. I can't remember. But my mom liked the show, and so you know it was like when we all sat down and watched scheduled TV. And so some when she because she worked nights, but when she didn't have to work nights, you know she would be on be like Thursdays or whatever. And so I remember watching the first couple seasons of Friends, and then. Just it fell off my radar because I was like, whatever, I had other cool shit to do because mm-hmm. I was 13. And um, but then I rewatched it the whole series um, like about two years ago. Right. On Netflix. It's you're not missing anything like at the time <laughs> it was very innovative, very good. You know, like it, it's very like much like of that time. Right. But man, w- marathoning friends is is kind of miserable because like you want to find David Schwimmer and just continuously punch him in the balls. Like his character, Ross, is so annoying. Uh, But I I watched the whole thing. uh, All I know is that um, Rachel and um, uh, Courtney Cox's character, Yeah, uh, they lived together. Yeah, Rachel and, um, what's her name? Um, I don't even remember the character's name. I don't don't remember either. Well, I mean... Monica, Rachel and Monica. Yeah, they're Uh, roommates. So I know that they were roommates, and I know that um, David Schwimmer's character... And Courtney Cox's character are brother and sister. Correct. Yeah. That's about all I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, what's her name? Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she is a very low IQ. She's very unintelligent. No, apparently. I wouldn't say that. I think that's a mischaracterization. I think she's probably just very quirky and kind of lives in her own like head space a lot. And it's kind of like it's kind of like we all live in Phoebe's world. She doesn't live in our world. Okay. So she, she's she's not dumb, but she's definitely like it's, a it's bit fair. a bit bizarre. It do, it do, it definitely seems like she is dumb. Yeah. Um just just from the few episodes <laughs> yeah. that I've seen. The crazy thing is is that um I don't know if you've seen any of these episodes, but Giovanni Ribisi is in that show uh, and she plays or he plays her little brother Mm-mm, in like yeah. a few episodes, like he guest stars as her little brother. And I think that was like before his like movie career caught on. Um, but he had like a guest starring role in that show too. So hmm. it's kind of interesting. No, no. Um, other than that, I've, I've accumulated zero knowledge about the show. Yeah. Uh, I've had to read subtitles mm-hmm. and there's something lost in subtitles <laughs> and also um it's just nothing's committed to memory because it doesn't seem like anything actually happens in the no show. nothing happens it's kind of the same like three stories over and over and over and over and over again and like really the only reason to watch it is one if you want 90s nostalgia um or if you know you want to really make sure that you're going to get those two or three questions about 90s trivia correct on jeopardy yeah. like yeah and, and it's a strange thing too that um as i've watched this show I don't know what any of them do for a living. Yeah. Uh, so so Joey's an actor. Okay. okay. Um, I don't know what Chandler does. Joey is the also not smart one, right? He is He is legitimately not smart. That's a fair characterization. Yeah. Um, Chandler, I'm not sure what Chandler did. He, I think he's, he's something in business. Um, <laughs> like he's some kind of business guy. He has business he, job. He, he wore a suit. He is a um, business guy. Monica is a chef. Uh Um, Rachel is kind of also like, you know, the perpetual always finding herself. She was a waitress earlier in the series and then she got Mm -hmm. some other jobs, but like definitely not like any type of career. Um, Phoebe is a massage therapist. Monica's a chef. I think I I said that. For some reason, I thought you were going to say she was a misogynist. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be an interesting Phoebe's a misogynist. Um, Rachel has the haircut. That's her job. That's pretty much it. She's the pretty one that has kind of like dead-end jobs. I think later on in the series, she might have worked in the fashion industry. Um, And then Ross has the most ridiculous job. Like Ross is like a, a, a world, at least a nationally famous, if not a world famous paleontologist who works at the New York Museum of whatever natural history. And it's just like so like, like he, like some reason he's like the nerd with the PhD with like all of these other, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like the, the musical rent without the HIV is really what it is. <laughs> it's basically like, <laughs> it's kind of, that's what it is. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll, 
kidding aside, um, we did go to a convention yesterday. Oh, yeah. We yeah. pulled out our nerd cards and punched them. Yeah. So I don't know. I have nothing to substantiate this, but apparently this may have been the first vampire LARP at GaryCon. Yeah. Now, do you know anything about GaryCon? So what I know is that it's uh, a convention that was, I think, started by the children and friends of Gary Gygax um, as like a way to kind of like as like a memorial convention, as a way to con- commemorate him and all that he brought to the world of gaming, um, you know, with D&D. And I believe, it, you know, it took place in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is just up the road from uh, Chicago. And um, uh and I, I think that that's where the Gygaxes are from. They hail from that area. Because yeah, so. I think the original Gen Con uh, was, was started in that area. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, that's that's what I um, I understand. No, yeah. I mean, neither one of us have written a paper on this, but I think that's what... Uh, yeah, so Gen Con kind of started in that area. Um, and this is just kind of like a memorial convention to celebrate D&D. It, it did seem when we got there and just kind of like, you know, people watching, but and also looking at the games that were going on, that it was a very D&D heavy convention. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of board games, but I'm sure that doesn't mean that they weren't there. Yeah, and to be fair, when we arrived, we didn't really take much time to kind of walk around and like, I mean, we walked around a lot, but basically in straight lines back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um but it definitely, the impression I got was it was kind of like a no frills, no bullshit fantasy gaming convention. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of cosplay. There wasn't a lot of people walking mm. around with foam weapons. It no, was like yeah. people brought their backpacks full of dice and books and they came to celebrate in this game mm-hmm. that they all enjoy. Right. And so, that's not to say that there wasn't Pathfinder yeah. and other games oh, yeah. or board games or, you know, I, you know, there were, I did see some miniature games here and there. So there was, I would say it was like a pretty, um, well-rounded convention, but it's yeah. certainly one was not the size of a Gen Con, and two, I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah, no, and and I don't think that there was as much diversity there in the uh, genre of games, yeah, right. like like you mentioned, right? And and I, I I would say that that's not an unfair assessment, nor would I say it was like an unintentional slight. No, I think yeah. that you know when your convention is sort of named after one of the founding writers one of the one of the founders of this game mm-hmm. duh like, yeah that's what you're gonna get so yeah no i mean nothing bad there no that's, yeah that's i mean just, if there was a ren hagen con we would have a certain right, expectation right, walking into right, it so right exactly so um yeah we arrived in kind of uh um uh, it is it is like up in the hills of lake geneva at mm-hmm. a resort and i think it was um, called the grand geneva hotel i think that's what it's called yeah and yeah. spa spa yeah there. yeah um, really nice very large um, resort center hotel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a beautiful layout. I mean, it's um, it was surprisingly cost effective for yeah. um, being at a convention. Um, yeah, like, the, the 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 entry fee was not too no. too unreasonable. You know, I'd say what we paid for a one day pass is is probably if you know we had gone out for the evening to a bar, yeah, movie and dinner, right, less, we, less right. than going to see a movie and having right, dinner for one day. And, um, yeah. for the, for the weekend, it was what, like 50 bucks for the whole, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, we, it was stupid, reasonable, right? We just, we just went for the one day cause we were invited to go for the LARP mm-hmm. that, um, Chad from dead game society was running. And so we were like, Oh cool. Yeah. I've never been to Gary Khan, you know, and I, like, I love gaming conventions. I love to go meet new people, which we got the opportunity to do. So mm-hmm. that was cool. Yeah. Um, everyone was was friendly mm-hmm. and courteous, and there was a lot of walking. There was a lot of walking, <laughs> right. and it, which is, I think, regardless of any kind of convention you're going to go to, any kind of con, you're going to do a lot of walking. I think the reason why there was so much walking in this convention is because it was, wasn't was like we were going from building to building or right. down the block, down the street. Like if, if you've been to Gen Con from before in the past 10, 15 years, you're familiar with Indianapolis. You know, there's a lot of walking because the convention center is huge and then the restaurants and everything. It's, right. it's, it's very walkable, yeah. but you're going to walk easily 20,000 steps a day at Gen Con. Right. And the reason why there was so much walking at this is because the hotel really is massive. And because there were so many people there for the weekend, we had to park really far away. Like it was a 15 minute walk from where we parked the car to our hotel room. Right. And then we had to walk essentially blocks yeah. to, get, to get to our, our, uh, our room. But if you've ever been to like Wisconsin Dells, you've ever been to a resort, that's typical. 
Like, yeah. That's not anything out of the ordinary. So it's yeah. not like it's a complaint. It's just that's what it is. That's no, what happens yeah. when you're at a resort. Um, so, yeah, we definitely got our exercise. Yeah, I didn't uh, feel guilty about not jogging that day. <laughs> um, so uh, for us, it was like about an hour and a half drive to get there. Um, we get there and it was really easy to check in and get settled. And yeah. then, um, so special big thanks to Chad from dead game society. He actually, um, had a room that he had pre-booked at the convention rate that he signed over into our names. And so we were able to take advantage of that rate and everybody, I mean like the whole hotel staff was just like awesome. Yeah. And the, the gaming staff who ran the convention, like they were very helpful and awesome as far as like navigating things and finding, I mean like I don't have any complaints. There was you know, I mean, like, I'm not the type of person to bullshit, but I, 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 you know, there's nothing you can complain about. It was a very well-run convention. This was their 10th year. It was clear that they knew what they were doing. They'd yeah. work, all the kinks had already been worked out. It was a very, very good convention. I would recommend, you know, if they do a GaryCon 11, which I don't know why they wouldn't, I would recommend going if you are in the Midwest or even if you're in the, if you're not, because we saw... Uh, license plates in the parking lot from like Texas, New York. I mean, I can't yeah. imagine making that drive for a small convention in Wisconsin, but there are obviously some people who are committed. So, right. And I would say that uh, the one caveat to that would be, you know, this is like a highly specific, specialized convention. Right. right? It's <clears throat> it, like obviously we're trying to make inroads as, as uh, vampire players, as LARPers. We're trying to like make inroads to that. Mm -hmm. And luckily you have somebody like Chad who I don't know Chad's like resume in the gaming community. However, yeah. I would say it's probably way more focused initially on on, on that stuff. On mm -hmm. you know, like he does dead game society. So like his breadth of knowledge is probably far superior to either of ours. Oh, for sure mine. Yeah. Um I know that like like my gaming uh, it's heavily focused in LARP, mm -hmm. but one specific type of LARP, right? Like right. I've been a vampire player for a really long time and I've played other games, but in a very leisurely fashion. Like I was super serious about vampire mm -hmm. and that's obvious based on duh, the podcast, but like um, his depth of knowledge is far greater than mine. Like I, I'm, I'm casual when no, it comes yeah. to like the other stuff. Well, so. and that really showed too, like, um, so if we can take a step back before mm -hmm. we got to the con, you know, we had been talking with Chad from Dead Game Society um, because he he plays in your Curse of Cain game online and you guys just kind of collaborate and ne have networked because you both have podcasts. And, and you know, he, he invited you and Bob to come play in the LARP to play, um, you know, pretty powerful, influential characters. Unfortunately, Bob, or fortunately for Bob, he's had on an awesome kick-ass trip <laughs> right overseas. <laughs> right. And so he couldn't make the convention. Um, and then I just was kind of like, oh, found out about it and decided to tag along. And Chad was cool with that and um, let me, you know, play a character. Um, but, you know, in advance of the con, he had gotten both of us character sheets um, with backstories or whatever. And I will be completely honest, like I read through this character sheet and I had concerns because it was very detailed. You're right. And I could read it through it seeing like, OK, he has he has put a lot of effort into this and it's it's a one night LARP. And I just want to make sure that I'm going to do justice to this character. Am I really going to be able to? But what I'll say to his credit, it's it was apparent not only in the detail he put into creating the characters and the story for the evening, but he was a very good ST, I thought. Right. Um, even though he had not previously ran a vampire LARP, you could really see that he had years of experience oh, yeah. storytelling yeah. Or, or game mastering because he he had kind of almost, you could tell he had foreseen a lot of the potential outcomes throughout the evening right. and was able to roll with that. And it, it wasn't as if he was someone that was like, this is the story I'm trying, trying to tell tonight. This is what I want to have happen. Right. He wasn't trying to guide people. You know, there was at one point in the evening where something kind of interesting happened that if I'm legitimately playing my character would have changed her opinion on right. things from her objectives originally at the night. And I kind of, you know, communicated that through role play to his character. And he's like, well, that's very interesting. You know, there's also this, this, and this going on you might consider. And so I, I was very impressed with how well he ran the game. Well, I think it's a testament to, to not just like, like we had the benefit of being experienced playing this game before, right? right? So like, I know the setting and you know the setting, but for the most part, the other people that participated um, who, to be totally fair, I don't know their names because I really only ever interacted with them in character, right? right? I never really had like an out-of-character moment mm -mm. with anybody, which is awesome. But to, to their credit, like these are people that didn't have experience, mm -hmm. but Chad was able to give them enough information 
to properly get into the role that they were playing. Right. Right. To, to know, you know, and as needed as a storyteller, be like, well, you'd know this. This is what you know about the setting. And those people mm-hmm. having no experience, just raw role play experience playing other games. Right. We're able to take that and just run with it and stay in character and really portray their characters in a way that as a as a seasoned role player, mm-hmm. I was convinced. Right. I was convinced that the Torador Primogen was a Torador Primogen. I right. was convinced that the Ventru, who was kind of like the laughing stock in my character's opinion, right? Like I got the, I, I immediately was like, yeah, I, I can totally see it from the way that he's portraying the character, right? And these are like five page. Here's your character. Here's your powers. Here's your motivations. Here's all your relationships. Yeah. So that's a lot to digest. Mm-hmm. And I know at least one of those people, like. Th- Chad did not have previous experience talking to. Right. And so to be able to do that in such a quick fashion, yeah. I thought was uh was was a true testament to his ability as someone to run a game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it showed a lot of leadership for sure. And I th- I would say like just to give people numbers, it was not a large 100-person LARP. No. Um, and that was probably one of the reasons why he was able to manage it as well as he did because I I, would, I don't know how many characters he had sheets for. If I just had to guess, I'd say there were probably like 12 people there. So it was very small, intimate. But it was the, the setting was was that it was a Primogen Council meeting that the Tremere Primogen had called at her home um, and um, to address some, some trouble that had been going on in the city. It took place in Savannah, Georgia in 1864. So the setting was, was that it was just before Gen- General Sherman and the American Civil War was marching on Atlanta, which I'm not, I, I should be, be better, know more of my Civil War history as an American, but I don't. But um, if, if you're not familiar with American history, like the battle in Atlanta, the burning of Atlanta was like a huge pivotal point in the American Civil War. That's right. kind of like, if, if you're familiar with Gone with the Wind, there's like a big portion of the middle of the, the novel in the movie Gone with the Wind that takes place in, in Atlanta after, you know, it was burned. So this game was taking place in Savannah, which is, um, you know, a, 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 a large city in Georgia, not far from Atlanta. Uh, and, and there's like a vampire council there and there were some concerns with the prince. And so the Tremere <laughs> right. Primogen had um, kind of called a, a salon, I guess, at her house that evening. And um, so he had written it specifically to be an intimate game. So each of the right. Primogen were represented, the um, the prince's court, so the sheriff, the deputy were there, the harpy was there. So he had character sheets for all of these people and um, prepared and then what was necessary to the story, if there weren't enough people to show up to play all those characters, he just NPC'd yeah. as he had to throughout the night. Which which he did um, quite skillfully, I might add. And yeah. He was able to jump between distinct characters. Like It was obvious to me, playing the prince uh, in the city, that Chad as a storyteller mm-hmm. had had gone way above and beyond thinking out all the little character characterizations and was able to like distinctly hold himself and position himself and sort of change his demeanor Mm -hmm. seamlessly. Right. And so I found that to be very impressive. Yeah, I thought so too. There was one point at the night where he was playing um, a female Nosferatu crone and um, who I believe was the harpy, mm-hmm. and um, she, he, you know, really threw himself into the character. It was really cool. Like he, he kind of hunched himself over and was yeah. leaning on a cane and was kind of like looking up at you, cockeyed one eye. So you almost felt like he had a hunch on his back, and um, you know, really seemed like a very angry, judgmental grandma. You right. know, you know, we all have either you have a grandma or you know someone who has a grandma that's like mildly racist and everything that everybody does <laughs> right. is like terrible. Right. That was the character that I got came across. And then, you know, you know, 10, 20 minutes later, he jumped in and was playing this, you know, just a car that had rolled in and was about to enforce some some shit. And, I, you know, it was really impressive. I mean, I had role played with him before online. But it's cool to see people in the flesh and, right. and see how, right. how good they right. are. To really to really get a feel for how mm-hmm. um, there's there's a lot that I think you you miss out on when you role play in the way that we role play on a computer. Right. Right. Uh, you know, writing out like your little expressions, they they don't really encapsulate your ability to immediately react or immediately to like hold yourself. Right. So right. 
when a character holds themselves with a certain demeanor mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. I would say like that is the one thing that's really always attracted me to LARPing right. is that even at a table, there's just something like certain people can't, they don't have the same level of freedom. Right. right? And once you give them that, you give these people, especially these people that have never LARPed in this capacity or they've never had experience with this game or it's so very slim to see them change their demeanor, to see them change the way they hold themselves right. and portray this other character. Like to me, what we experienced last night was exactly the best part of LARPing, right? Absolutely. It was a situation, and we talked about this a little bit before, like when I go to a LARP like this, I try to go out of my way, just as a general rule, to avoid using powers, right? Mm -hmm. They're there, and I know they're there, and if I need to fall back on them for something, I know that they're there. I have enough knowledge and skill to, to be able to successfully rely upon them. But my enjoyment, and I think a lot of people that enjoy LARP for what it is, is that sole reliance on role play. Right. Right. Are you lying to me? Well, it's easier. I I wouldn't say easier. It's more fun Mm -hmm. if I can gauge your facial expressions, what you say, than just relying on rolling dice or, or throwing a chop. Right. And we got a lot of that last night. Yeah. Right. To me, it was very much like. Uh, it was like playing Clue almost. Right, you know? yeah, it was. Uh, like everyone has secrets and everyone's got something they're holding over somebody else. Mm-hmm. And as you kind of stir the pot, you get to see like what's most important. Right. What's what's most important to people and who can you live without, you know? And, right. And to me, that was cool. Like it was, it was created and run in a way that, you know, I may have had trepidation about because when, I, when I'm given like a five page sheet mm-hmm. for a one night game, I'm like, whoa. Like, if this is a lot for me to yeah. absorb, like, it's going to be really hard for people that don't know this. To, to, to Chad's credit, that wasn't the case. Yeah, no, he did a great job um, setting people up for success, even if that didn't mean that their character was successful in the end of the night. Setting them, self, setting them up for success so that they could role play the characters. He kind of took everybody aside and briefly uh, kind of gave them, like, the lowdown and made sure he was available to answer any questions to the new players throughout the night. And I know that was something I tried to do, and I think I saw you doing it, too, that if there was someone who was new to LARPing, or even there were people who were new to Vampire that were right. there. Oh, yeah, um, and, and, like, you know, we were able to kind of take them aside or, or you know, kind of, like, you know, stop and say, okay, this is what this means, and this is why I'm saying this, and then get back into it really quickly. But um, <laughs> one thing that I thought was cool was that, to, to go back to your point about how challenging it can be and how you definitely lose something when you're role-playing online, is that so much communication is nonverbal, yeah. right? And I think you can tell someone who's like LARP before or maybe is like more inclined or has a talent for for role-playing, like live-action role-playing, just by watching their mannerisms. Like you did something that I kind of want to call you out for that I thought was really cool. Um, and I don't know if it was intentional or if it was just like you were so into the character that you may not have even thought about it or realized it, but you were playing a Toreador prince, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, you had a very slow draw southern accent that but sounded kind of regal almost like an upper crust upper class southern accent Mm -hmm. you know think think you know uh rhett butler from gone with the wind type of thing and uh but you know we all know that the toreador have you know certain predilections towards art and and things like that and so i know since i was playing the tremere primogen you were coming to to my house to her house for the evening and i i tried to role play it to be very a very gracious toast very serious but not like not simpering to everybody but to make everybody feel welcome and so i came over and spoke to to the prince for a bit and you made a like i saw you were um almost like while we were talking you were talking to me but you weren't looking at me you were kind of like you in real life were sitting next to some curtains Mm -hmm. and you were kind of like looking and petting the drapes and then at one point you're still talking to me and you're listening but you're not making eye contact with me and you were kind of like petting the the furniture (laughs) and then you even made like you even made a comment like this this is uh this is lovely upholstery you have here in your home and i'm like oh you know you know and i had like a fucking weird accent that i can't even place because my character was supposed to be from moldova um so i was like i'll just put an accent on i don't know what they sound like in moldova but i'll make it sound it was a vaguely european accent yeah it was a sort of european accent um and um 
anyway, and I just thought that that was really cool. Like when I thought about it in retrospect or when I walked away from like that part, that encounter, I just remember thinking like, oh, that's, he's playing up this like Toreador being almost like obsessive about beauty or, or things like that. Yeah. I mean, and it was all nonverbal. Like that's something that if you were going to write that up online, it would take extra text and, and oh, yeah, you're going to yeah. lose that flavor. Right. 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 And, and people are just like, yeah, yeah, you, you touch the, the cushions, whatever. Right. I don't give a shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that, that's where even when I say like you lose something, even sitting at the table with mm-hmm. your peers, you lose those opportunities. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's even very difficult for you to, to describe to your storyteller, like I'm just going to, not pay attention to what she's doing and I'm just going to rub the cushions. Right. That sounds like something a crazy person would do. Right. right. But but when you see someone sort of vaguely detached from right. a conversation and just sort of like visually focusing on things that make your words seem less important than what they're focusing on. Right. Right. Like that's, that's totally a nonverbal cue. Right. That's something that is very difficult to verbalize Mm -hmm. into words to a storyteller, to a DM, to anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. And and it's, it's difficult even as a storyteller. Right. To verbally explain what's occurring without just doing it. Right. And not to like jerk you or chat off too much, but I think like you doing things like that, that were completely nonverbal, and him, he would do, you could tell when he was transitioning between characters, the way he would hold himself or one of his characters that he was playing throughout the night, you know, his, his eyes would get wider, right. right? His facial expressions would change. Right. And I think him doing things like that and you doing things like, you know, just kind of the, you know, very relaxed attitude and, you know, petting the curtains and, and paying attention to people, but not paying attention to them at the same time. And all of these like very nonverbal things, even for those new characters and I'd like to hope that I you know maintained whatever I'm not going to like praise myself but you know doing these nonverbal things and staying in character and, and maintaining some kind of consistency with that I think pulled other people into it more yeah. and so even if they were unsure or uncertain right. of how to act they the confidence that that you guys brought helped th- almost like it rubbed off on right. them and that I think is why the role play was so good. Yeah. And I, and I thought, I thought like there was a degree of importance, right? Cause we know that a group of the, of these players, they have loyalty to a political movement, Mm -hmm. uh, to a group of individuals that are calling themselves the Southern Lords. Right. And my character has, uh, unabashedly maintained loyalty to the Camarilla. Right. Right. I've taken no sides and you can, you, you understand the reason why this this coterie, this group, right. has loyalty to these southern lords is because they're tired of of like sort of having to like lick the boot heels of the Camarilla. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm this kind of pretentious, dickish, snobbish, always in control torador. Right. Okay, so I need to portray that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm I made it a point when I when I started role playing the character. I'm not going to walk up to anyone, right. right? Right. Anyone that wants to talk to me should have to come to me, right? And that's a total like that's role play one hundred and one. Right? right. I'm in a position of power. I don't approach you. You always approach me. Right. I've so, done I've done that before in LARPs. Right. Yeah. So so I I just I just found a place and I just positioned myself there, right? Mm-hmm. Because I am in complete control. Everything that I survey is mine. Right. So, and I noticed like the longer that I would sit there and Mm -hmm. and occasionally people would come up to talk to me and walk away, but I never moved. Mm -hmm. I just sort of lazed about the place. Right. I heard them talking. Like Mm -hmm. I heard them going, look at this pompous asshole, the way he sits. And I was like, yeah, great. Like Mm -hmm. you're into that role because I'm being a pompous asshole. Right. Right. I'm being this douchebag and you're going... He seems like a douchebag. It's easier for me to dislike him, and right. that's that's you know I want to I want you to feel that to justify your feelings because if I come off as like oh he's the greatest guy like why are we even trying to like shit on this guy right but I had a reason for doing it right mm-hmm. you know it's that position of power and as I start to hear these characters and and they're sort of like you know little scuttlebutt and they're like little conversations then I start to go, oh, that's why I hate them. Right. Because they're they're trying to take what's mine. Right. So, yeah, definitely I feel like like within a half an hour of the game starting, everyone was like, they were dedicated to those roles. They were super into it. Oh, yeah, people were. were very into it. And I think, too, like, 
um, being able to, there were, I'd say like besides you, me and Chad, there were probably like a couple other people who had LARP before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe some people who had played tabletop vampire like years ago. Right. And there, but there were at least one or two people that had never LARPed. And at least one I know that was unfamiliar with right. vampire. Well, Nick, Nick is a friend of ours. Nick has been on this podcast before he went and he had never LARPed before. And I would say for never having LARPed, definitely he did a great job. Oh like yeah. He, Thumbs he, up. he did he did excellent role play. And he had another just devious yeah. devious backstabbing prick of a character. Right. And I think Chad wrote this really well where every <clears throat> character was important. Right. There was no character who was not essential to the story of the evening. Right. And they all had um like secrets, right? And they all had like secret objectives that they were right. trying to accomplish. And um like you know, you know, you were saying that you were trying to always appear in control. That was something that my character was trying to do as well, was to always appear in control. But how does she, you know, this is, she, she, but, but like, I kind of approached her like, um, when I was reading through it, you know, her character sheet and then also who she was, she was a very influential person in the city. And she was definitely like, I think the prince even said at one point, like, you're a rival. Like, you're not an enemy. You're a rival. Like, we make each other better or something like right, that, right? right? And, like, everything, everybody, everyone in the Primogen Council kind of, like, knew that she was a leader. But she did not want to be Queen Cersei. She wanted to be Littlefinger. Right. And that's how I interpret her character. And that's how I tried to play her where, you know, she was very simpering at times to the prince. And, you know, wanted to make sure that everybody felt comfortable and welcome. And, and But when, when someone overstepped or did something that she perceived to be rude to the prince or to someone else in her home, she kind of stepped in and said, hey, no, that's right. not happening. Right. And even like at one point, like the Ventru Primogen who, you know, initially we were all kind of like wanted to become the prince of the city, right? And kind of overtly in a way, it was kind of well known that he wanted to overthrow the prince or that he had a vested interest in that. You know, I had, my character had spoken to his character early in the night and was just like, you know, I see a lot of leadership qualities in you and I, I, I know that, you know, you and I are of one mind. And, and her goal was to set up a puppet prince for the city, Right. right. And uh, someone that she could control. And so she was very into flattering other people's egos. Right. And and then that Ventru Prince, who probably wasn't the most experienced character, uh, the most experienced player in the room, at one point, he kind of stepped out of line. <laughs> yeah. And he almost got himself blood hunted. Yeah, he did, yeah. And he was a little, like, he was a little too too boisterous. Right. And, like, my, my, my character tried to be like, oh, okay, gentlemen, let's calm things down, trying to quell any tension between right. the prince and the Ventru Primogen. But then, later on, she took the Ventru Primogen aside and was like, do not embarrass me or disappoint me again. <laughs> and she was, like, you know, not having it, so. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was very... It was very interesting to watch these people play their characters and, and to watch them play, you know, because like there were so many names on this sheet. I was like, man, I, I, I'm just I just don't know how I'm going to do this. Well, here's the thing that you don't know that I actually didn't share with you that I think Chad was like masterful for part of the reason why I came to you and and was like, look, we could do this one of two ways. You can either put this puppet prince in possibly, mm-hmm. or you can just continue to be my rival because I really enjoy it. Like this rivalry, it keeps me on my toes. Right. right? It's a very I, Batman Joker relationship. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, but the reason why was because, um, my character as, as was exposed at the end of the night was embraced toward or anti-tribute. Right. And my weakness was I, I was sort of dumbfounded and, and like struck by the beauty of carefully laid and crafted plans right like you being a backstabbing trying to go behind my back and lay all these traps that was like my that's what struck me right right that was like my artistic you know oh man i'm i can't i can't look away kind Mm -hmm. of a thing so it's like i have to keep you around right because what you're doing is like the only thing that really gives me any satisfaction right from the torador perspective Mm -hmm. and (laughs) meanwhile like you have all these other characters, all these other people, uh, all these other vampires rather, that sit on the Primogen Council and they all have their different ag- agendas. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you just drug us all into one room. Right. Which was part of your plan anyways. Right. I didn't know about. And then that's like when we were all sitting at the table, we were sort of thrust into a crisis mode. Right. Right. Through no fault fault of our own or through directly the fault of our own. Right. And we had to make a decision. 
And you you saw how immediately people fell into the role of like primogen council. Right. When like basically it was levied. Someone's got to go. Right. Who's it going to be? Right. And as the prince, I was just like, all right, well, who stands with me in support? And every fucking individual raised of their hand. Of course. Yeah. And I was like, that's amazing. Huh? Yeah. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> you know, an hour ago, we were dividing lines and now everybody wants to be unified. And it was just beautiful to me because I was like, this is such a fucking, you know, 19th century Camarilla mentality. Right. No, it was it was great. We I mean, if you guys can't tell, like we had a lot of fun, yeah. like it was a fun game. Um very little breaking of character throughout the night. I mean, there were a couple of times here and there you go get a drink or whatever. You stop to explain something to someone, but then back in it. And even there was one point where, where people were kind of out of character and Chad was like, okay, people let's stay back in character. And I mean, we had yeah. just a ton of fun. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. Yeah. The one, the one out of character moment that I could remember was when <laughs> the explanation of the Giovanni and their position within the Camarilla had right. to be explained. Yeah. Um, you know, cause of course I, I fell back on my lore, mm-hmm. right? I have knowledge that, you know, helps my position as a prince. Right. And you know, when the Giovanni were like, Oh, you know, we, we, we're just hanging out and people are like, yeah, Oh, the Giovanni are fine. And I was like, how many of you know about this? Yeah. And then people were like, we genuinely don't know. So like we, I had to stop and be like, okay, this is what happened. This is why. Right. This is what the perspective is of the sect. Mm-hmm. Now let's reassess. Let's get back in game and use that information. But it was like so seamless. Yeah. You know. And well, I don't know. Do you want to summarize? I hope that people aren't like bored with us kind of talking around it. But do you want to summarize maybe kind of what the story was throughout the night? Or um, well, for me, the yeah. story was as I had just explained. I'm essentially a Sabbat infiltrator. Right. And I, I am an actor of like epic ability, right? right? Like I'm, I'm a peerless actor, which I needed to be because I was embraced Sabat and sent to infiltrate. Well, I did such a good job that I'm, I've eventually infiltrated and become Prince. Right. Along the line, there was some diablery. There was, you know, new identities taken. Um, but anyways, now I'm here sort of like trying to, on one hand, trying to overtly hide mm-hmm. where I came from, from the Camarilla. Right. But also sort of like the way that I interpreted it, like also kind of like hide from the Sabbat too. Right. Right. Like, like I'm the prince. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like I have the power in the domain and I just want to avoid scrutiny. Right. Right. But meanwhile, I'm, I'm like, I'm prince of a den of thieves. Right. Right. And so there's all these individuals that, that, and in a very Camarilla fashion, some I've made alliances with, some I've annoyed and pissed off, some see my position as a challenge, and others think that there's a little bit more going on with me or right. know that there's a little bit more going on with me. Right. And so from my perspective, I, here I am on this night, mm-hmm. and my goal is to maintain my power. Right. right. So, so I'm sort of... I'm evenly matched by my opposition, and I'm kind of bolstering my role... One, because I don't want to attract the attention of the Camarilla. So I haven't made any political allegiances with like the Southern Lords and all that stuff. And and I've I've, you know, sort of covertly by not acting, enforced my position within the Camarilla. Like, hey, don't bother looking at me. I'm not throwing in my hat with anybody else. Right. Um, and then having to deal with whatever purpose you have for tonight. Right, yeah. So so my character, who is the Tremere Primogen, um, she's probably like, you know, second to the prince. I, I would say of all the primogens, she's probably the most powerful in the city, at least for influence and contacts and things like that. And she is like definitely a Camarilla loyalist, like 100% tried and true Camarilla through and through. And um, just she has found out that there's something not quite right about the prince. She knows he has committed diablery before, but she can't prove it. Well, <laughs> her sire uh, actually had stolen a book called The Thorn Codex from the Giovanni in Venice and had given it to her for safekeeping. Then she was like, I don't know what to do with this. The, the level of knowledge in this, you know, she's very, she was like 200 years old. Uh, like, I think the circle of the first, I don't even know the Tremere lingo. Right. It wasn't but, very pertinent to the game. It, it wasn't, but she was like a very well-established, high-ranking Tremere, right? Right. But she had gotten hold of this book from her sire, and even at her level of knowledge, 
knowledge, it was a bit above her. Like there were some rituals in it. She's like, oh, I don't know if I can cast these or not. So she sends it away to another Tremere in Atlanta named Ignatius. And Ignatius is like, uh, I think Atlanta's going to fall. I'm sending you back the book. And she's like, I don't fucking want this book. Like it's hot. The Giovanni are after it. But when she finds out that the prince might be a Diablerist and she, she doesn't like the way he's run the city and he is an arrogant bastard and she knows that there's something else not quite right about him. Like she doesn't, she can't put her finger on it. She, she didn't know that he was a Sabbat infiltrator, but she did know he was a Diablerist. Well, there just happens to be a ritual in this Thorn Codex that allows her to expose him as a Diablerist. And so what she, what her goal for the night was, was to basically, she wanted to have a primaging council meeting at her house to just invite everybody, have a nice time, enjoy some libations, um, have a conversation and just try to get everybody to, to work out any issues that they had. That's what she posed it as. And but the reason why she wanted to have it at her home is because this particular ritual required her to um, create a magic blood circle, which she had done prior to the start of the evening in a certain room <laughs> in her lounge, right? And in order for the ritual to succeed, uh, the prince had to be in the room in the circle for a minimum of one hour. And then she would say the words in the ritual, read, read the text from the book. And <laughs> the soul of the people, the souls of the people he diablerized would come out of his mouth and expose him as a diablerist. And then like whatever float away into like vampire soul heaven, or I don't know. Right. And so that was how I was going to prove that you were a diablerist, prove that you were unfit to lead. And then I was I was going to either have prop up the Ventru Primogen or the Bruja Primogen to be the new prince of the city because I, my character, perceive both of them as easy to manipulate right. and control from the right. back end, right? And so that's kind of what I did. As, as Rachel, as the player, I had considered deviating from that um, because of the interactions that our characters had together earlier on in the night. But then Chad came in and he threw us all for a loophole and there was like a big oh shit moment and I right. ended up, long story short, ended up getting, um, uh, you know, uh, bitch slapped by a Justicar and decided to kind of go through with the plan even though she <laughs> didn't feel that it was the best position for her politically as far as control goes. And then Nick's character, the follower of set seneschal that we didn't know was a follower of set well i knew you but. you knew but i didn't know that um was like did you know or did your character know? Uh, well I, my character my character knew your character so knew. it's okay. like i knew but yeah right my character knew. but but i don't think that uh any of the other characters knew no, that he was no, a follower of set I, I knew i knew everybody's like I, right. was, I was this, I was a this, I'm not really this. I knew all that shit. Okay, yeah. So you had all the secrets. But then, you know, his his character that he played, you know, masterfully, um, you know, threw another, you know, curveball. And it was just like, you know, to Chad's credit, he had mapped all of this out again. And even even if players weren't the most experienced or or, you know, maybe didn't, play exactly what was on their sheet all at all times it still all to came came together beautifully and was yeah. a super fun story to be a part I of i mean to be totally fair you were able to manipulate me into staying in one place <laughs> like, like that was a challenge right yeah right. and and to to your credit and to like our role playing mm -hmm. um yeah I, I mean it definitely when when you were like prince you just wait here i'll just make sure people come to you mm -hmm. like that that was um, I, I, I like completely played to my ego, right. right? Right, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna stay here because, again, at the beginning of the game, right mm -hmm. before I ever even decided, like, how am I gonna role play this character? I knew I'm the prince, right? Mm -hmm. I don't go to anyone, right? Right, I am, I am in the position of authority, and I am in the position of power. Mm -hmm. So people will come to me if they wish to speak to me. They will come to me. And if you remember at the beginning, I was like, oh, I can't wait for my uh, my tour yeah. of your of your estate. Now we're just in one room. Right. right. There, so that we're in one suite and there's two. There's like one adjacent room and another one that nobody used. And we're walking around and so she's sort of like giving me the tour. And then we go into this other room. This other room had a very large table in it mm -hmm. and it had a bunch of like cool mini stuff on it. But that wasn't part of the game. It was yeah. just there. Yeah. Someone was playing minis earlier in the night. Right. Yeah. And so, so I just sat at the head of the table mm -hmm. and I just didn't even concern myself with what was going on outside of the room because right. other people would come in and go, my prince, something's happening out there. And I'd be like, it's not in here. Yeah. No, I laid it. I laid the groundwork from that from the first second the game started. Right. I was like... 
I knew I needed to get you in this room. I knew you had to be there for an hour for me to do the ritual. And so I told, I knew who was allied with my character, right? Mm -hmm. And I I said, you know, I I understand that we all have problems with the prince, but, you know, eventually when we move into the room for for conversation, I want to make sure that he feels that we respect him and that we're interested in what he has to say. It's very important to me that he's comfortable. And so as much as possible, I'd like to keep him in that room because I don't want him to feel like he has to go to anybody or is challenged. If he needs a drink, you know, let's have one of us get it or get one of my servants. You know, I don't want him wandering the estate by himself. That that, that would be rude of me as a host. So, so please, just for the sake of appearances, let's, let's make sure that the prince always feels comfortable tonight. So I basically told without telling other characters (laughs) that don't let him leave that room, engage him in conversation. And I started that (laughs) and then I was able to leave or whatever. Well, you were in that room for like probably an hour and a half. And at one point when it made sense within the night to, I went up to Chad and I was like, all right, he's been in there long enough for me to do this ritual, right? And Chad's like, oh yeah, for sure. And I'm like, all right, well, let me go ahead and roll and make right. sure it happens. And then we went in and did it. And and the, the funny thing is, is that like, I think my character, the reason why I went through with it is because the Justicar was like, if he's a fucking Diablerist, you need to prove it. And if you can't prove it, that's a wild <laughs> accusation and I'm going to have your head. Right. And I was like, okay, I guess I better do this then. Or, you know, like my character was. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's do it. Yeah. And, then, was- and then we did it and you the, the, the souls came out of your mouth. And then fucking Nick was like, well, how do we know that this isn't some <laughs> Tremere trick? And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what the Tremere can do. I don't know what the Giovanni can do. Maybe they're in cahoots. Who knows? And everybody's yeah. like, maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Are, yeah. are you a Diablerist? And for like 15 minutes, I made great efforts to skate around the idea of it. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I am the prince. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe you got me. And then there came a point where everyone's like, oh, I knew it. He's a Diablerist. Disgusting. Despicable. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm the only one with right of destruction. Of course, I may have done so, but it's my right as right. prince. And people were like, no, we can't abide that. And then other people were like, no, he's right. He's And so this argument started. Right. And I was like, time for me to leave the room. Oh. Oh, and then you did, and then I knew, like Rachel knew what Nate. We both know what we had on each other's sheets. And then at one point, Nate leaves the room, and then like, like Chad comes back in a second later, and he's like, "You, you, you, and you. I need you to roll either. I need you to burn a permanent willpower, or I need you to roll a difficulty ten. Blah blah blah. Because we were playing like a mixed dice. Yeah, we we yeah. didn't actually do like um. So so for those who are used to like the typical Mind's Eye Theater. Uh, LARP rules. We didn't even use those. Right. right. We we had powers. We just used the straight book because there's only 12 or 13 of us, however many people were playing. It was very easy for the storyteller to be present for all things. Right. right. So we really didn't have to like stop game, mm-hmm. throw chops, run challenges. And we were able to focus our primary uh, uh, efforts and our, our primary energies to mm-hmm. role playing, which I think was great. Do I think that that would be something you could do weekly at a game? No, right. I don't. But for a one night wrap up, you know, uh, kind of like well packaged LARP, I think it was fantastic. Yeah. So you leave, and and I and I didn't even think about it until Chad comes in. He's like, one, two, three, four. You four, uh, you can do this, or you're going to be in frenzy if you don't roll a diff ten or whatever. I don't remember it was, but we both knew that I had level six aspects. Or no. Yeah, I had level six aspects. You had level six dominate presence. Presence. That's what it was. And um, spark of rage. Spark of rage. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, these are like fucking game ending abilities. And like you were joking around, but you were like, it was like mostly joking, half serious. Like the day before we left to go up right. there, you're like, I could just fucking end the game and hit everybody with love. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so the reason I waited until the end was because I was like, okay. The situation now is untenable. Mm-hmm. There's a Justicar somewhere. There's a group uh, of uh, Primogen who are arguing of, in favor and in opposition of me. I've made the case, hey, I'm the prince. I'll do what I want, right? You want a prince that works for you, mm-hmm. that, that really gets his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I don't want to be in the room, and it would be easier for me to work with what we have on the cleanup, right? Right. Hey, they'll kill each other. Whatever's left, yeah. I'll get on my side. Yeah, and you even told us you're like you're like, why don't I do this? Why don't I 
you all discuss what you need to discuss. Give yourselves about 10 minutes. I'll step out so that I'm not here to influence your decision <laughs> and you feel like you can have an open dialogue. And then you step out of the room and we're all like, and the Toreador Primogens, because you were a Toreador, the Toreador Primogens like, is there a chance that his diabolizing so-and-so was to benefit the city? And then the Bruja Primogen is like, no, that's bullshit. We can't let him, blah. And I'm like, I've been, didn't, been, you know, been nothing but honest with you all. And then the Seneschal's accusing me of having some kind of Tremere magic. And then the Seneschal is like, well, this this was, you know, devilry. It's not of the Lord, blah, 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 all this stuff, right? <laughs> and then, like, we're all like, blah, 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 blah. Chad comes in. He's like, you, 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 and you. Roll, you know, give willpower or whatever. And I'll, I, like, peek my head out the door. And I, like, look at you. And I'm like, I know what you just did. <laughs> I know what you just cast on <laughs> Well, and the other thing, too, with the Torador. So the, the Torador, we... Chad was like, you're a clanmate and you do not get along. You know mm-hmm. he's kind of a hack. Mm-hmm. He's a playwright and he steals most of his plays and he knows you know and he hates you and you guys hate each other. So the first thing that I did when mm-hmm. like dividing lines were being drawn, mm-hmm. the gangrel, first thing in the night, she comes up to me and she's like, this Ventru, he's been logging in my in my swamps. This is where I hold deer mm-hmm. and now werewolves are coming. And I was like, whatever you need, I got your back. Mm-hmm. Right? I was, so I was like... I've got my physical bodyguard. I've got my sheriff behind me. I've got Claw Woman and the seven foot tall beat boy. Like he's, right. he, he, you know, he's okay. So I've got the martial aspects cornered because she's in opposition to the Ventru. Right. I know she's in opposition to the Ventru, and that's the asshole who's trying to take my position. Right. And he's directly opposed to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that there's a Torador too. And that Torador, he may be a hack playwright, but he is a Southern gentleman. Right. And he's going to argue against me. So the first thing that I did when (laughs) we had to like draw the dividing lines Mm -hmm. was I was like, now everyone knows there is no way my allegiance to the Gangrel would ever be forfeit. And I would never send a member of my clan to the chopping block. And he was immediately like... You like me? Yeah. You really like me? And I was like, no, no, come on. You, yeah. you get in here. You get in here, pal. Yeah. yeah. Torador. Oh, uh-huh. I love you. I know I've been harsh with you. I, I told him, I know I've been harsh with you because I expect greatness, but I'm only harsh with you because I see greatness in you. Oh. And he was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He, he, you love he, me, Dad. You love me. me right, right. And then for the rest of the night, I just had this Southern gentleman like, well, I, I don't know whatever you thought about him, but but I, by God. And then at the end of the night, mm-hmm. I felt bad. You shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I felt bad because I was like, you know, win, lose, or draw. Whatever the Justicard is, because he gets staked at some point. Cause, right. Because we, we come to find out he's in on this conspiracy to sort of get rid of me. Right. right? And, and rightly so, because all this time I've been shitting on him. Right. Because he's a hack playwright. He has no talent. Mm-hmm. And then tonight I'm like, I need to get him on my side. So he's already like starting. He's changing his opinion. Yeah. All he needed was that love. Right. He needed that attention from the prince. Right. So the prince gives it to him and he gets staked. And the Justicar's like, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this member of your clan and I'm going to fucking end him. He's done. And I was like, well, if there's anything in my power that I can do aside from sacrificing my own position or anyone else's <laughs> position in this city, you know I would do it. I will erect a statue to him. And, yeah, <laughs> and he's an just asshole. like holds up his middle Yeah, finger. he did. Hold- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was super fun. Everybody getting into character and enjoying role-playing their distinct, you know... Um, their, their grudges and everything. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think it was more fun because we never got mired into powers. Mm-mm. There were so few of them ever used in the night. And I think when they were used, right. they were used in such a way where they were like, oh shit, like this is meaningful. Right. Um, it was and- very story-based. That's one of my major things when, cause I started in LARP, I didn't start in tabletop. Right. And, and, and I really enjoyed the role-playing aspect of it, but every night, regardless of whether it was a convention LARP or like, you know, a weekly, monthly LARP, there's always going to be a point in the evening where a lot of chops are being thrown. And it's like, you know, it gets slowed down and it takes you out of the the game. And like some people, that's what they really like. But for me, I'm just like, okay, we've been doing this for 40 minutes. Are these werewolves dead yet? Like, have we killed? Right. I mean, it's a really (laughs) delicate balance because LARP is like, it's like you're acting out an improv play, Mm -hmm. right? And, and 
the rules for LARP are great when you're like super fluid and you understand them super well. And if you mm-hmm. have a group of people that are just like quickly can get through it, right. that's awesome. But you have to have lots of years of experience and right. lots of memorization, but also you have to have gone through the process properly. Right. And when I say properly, I mean like it's not the I'm, I'm looking to win. Let's win. Like last night, everyone was looking to win. Right. But they were looking to win in a way that wasn't going to be defined by their powers. Right. Their powers could help them. And and when you can balance like numbers with storyteller and you can just go to the storyteller like, hey, I'm looking to do this. This is the power that I have. And I understand that this is what it does. Mm-hmm. And the storyteller can sort of adjudicate. Right. And like we had dice and we could roll them, but we didn't need to because when Chad was around and he was around the whole thing, he was able to describe what was happening and to tell people like based on, you know, what I'm seeing, what I know, this is the end result. Right. And so that was great for a one night LARP. It would be very difficult to accomplish that on a week to week basis. Well, not only that, but I'm thinking like, cause if it were a two or three night LARP, oh my God, I can't even imagine. Like he must've been, I'm sure he was like on like, you know, like a a gamer's high by the end of it and he probably didn't feel exhausted but mm-hmm. he works he worked his ass off yeah storytelling that um you know only for 12 people but he was the only storyteller and i can't even imagine how tired he was yeah just jumping into like two or three different characters storytelling helping new players helping us you know because like even though we were more experienced there's still a lot for us because like I, I think arguably you and i were probably the two more pivotal characters that were driving the story forward, right? Yeah. Like everything kind of centered around getting you off of the throne. And I was kind of like the leader of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a ton of fun. Like, it so was a fun. great experience. Yeah. Um, it was the first time we got to LARP together, which yeah. I know is something we have been wanting to do for a while. Yeah. And so it was kind of a, got to check off a lot of and, things on and, the list. And we got to, we got to LARP as rivals. Yeah. Right? We didn't get to LARP as like pals. Mm-hmm. We, we got to be in direct opposition. Right. I'm literally trying to thwart your plans and you're trying to have me done in. And right. so that was cool. It was cool to role play that. And it was cool to, to role play vampires who know their opposition to one another. Right. Right. And so like I, I took the, I took the approach like, I'm going to try to convince her like, hey, look, whatever it is that you need, let's work that out so that I can keep you as my rival. You can stay in the position of my rival mm-hmm. and you can puppet whoever you want. Right? right. But like, what's your end goal? Right. I would rather have you as a rival where we can both sort of be like, you know, fighting against one another, but not directly. Right. Then have to deal with the Justicar. Then the Justicar came in and. Yeah. Well, that went to shit. Well, yeah, spoiled our plans. Like we, I think we both, you and I both anticipated going in there and not breaking Chad's game, but just being like, I'm going to role play this character he wrote and it's not necessarily going to go the way he thinks it is, but that he judo flipped us because, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. he, he judo Absolutely. flipped us. Absolutely. He used our own strength against us and then completely threw it through. Right. And, and that made it fun. That Put us it into engaging. individual like crisis situations yeah. and, you know, really... I had not anticipated that. Mm-hmm. And so when that occurred, we really had to break it down to the core essentials of like mm-hmm. what our characters were. And, and I think everybody had to do that. And, and really it came down to that, like what secret is the worst? Mm-hmm. And when that secret's exposed, how do you spin it? Right. And then if you can't spin it, how do you, right. how do you get out with your, with your head? Right. You know? So yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, Kudos to Chad. Kudos to Dead Game Society. Yeah, we got cool lanyards afterwards. That was pretty yeah. boss. Kudos to everyone that got the opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shoot us a message. Um, you know, to connect with us on Twitter because uh, if you enjoyed it and you want to play again, like we we would love to interact with you again. Like everyone did a great job. Yeah, so. yeah, and and I think you know, like not to obviously you know, you know, listen to listen to the podcasts and. Um, uh, the 25 years podcast, because, you know, those are going to be kind of nice to help inform, um, you know, give you a little bit of background knowledge and hopefully like bring to your attention some of the books that will, will help you like become more involved in this game. And, um, you know, I don't know for sure, but I would assume a, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast listen to 25 years. And so that'll always be, um, 
you know, a, a, a good way to get a little bit more exposure. And, and I kind of um, posted this on uh, the Discord uh, the other day, but uh, I'm excited for Gen Con. Um, I really think it'll be fun to, to LARP again at Gen Con. Uh, I don't know what's going to be available. I know that the schedule comes out in May, so I'll definitely have my eye out for that. But um, yeah. you know, I, you're going this year as well, and right. hopefully Bob will be going. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm I think sure, that's the plan. We're all going to be there. Yeah, and I, I think if, if you know, I don't want to speak for you guys on your guys' behalf, but if there's a specific LARP that that looks cool to you guys, and, and I know um, Chris DJ is also planning on going, so you know, keep your eyes peeled, and we'll we'll probably all be at Gen Con, and would love to LARP with people who've yeah. never done it before. It's super fun. Well, that's that's the other thing too. I I've heard I know nothing about what's happening at Gen Con for that particular uh, function. So if anybody is running a LARP at Gen Con and they'd like us to come and check it out and participate. Like we're more than willing to. So right. um, just shoot us a, a message on Twitter at uh, Utility Muffin Labs. That's yeah. or Utility Muffins. That's our Twitter handle. And, 25. Uh, and VTM25 or something like that. Anyways, utilitymuffinlabs.com. Right. The website has links to all that stuff. And there's so. a commercial somewhere in this <clears throat> yes, podcast absolutely, somewhere. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, while, while I don't know my own information, I know it well enough to leave a commercial for it. So yeah, check us out. We'd love to come and check out your game and and also talk about it and hopefully it's good because if it's not, well then we might be no we'll we'll never we'll never say anything terrible about you we just won't talk about yeah. it how about no. that we, what we didn't <laughs> what we didn't mention was Chad's terrible smell all night yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again very soon we love you. Under blue.